As long as I'm investing in my kids and I've created good people, I know whatever they choose to do once they become of age to make those choices, that I know it's going to be a good thing. And I know they're going to succeed as long as I do my job right. You're listening to Investing for Good, a show that brings you the stories and strategies of people who are investing to build a legacy for their families, create a meaningful and intentional life by design, and impact the world around them. And now, here are your hosts, Annie Dickerson and Julie Lamb. Hey, Julie, how's it going? I'm doing okay, trying to stay dry over here. It's... uh dreary and rainy. What about you? Mm. Is it sunny there in Oakland or? Nope. Nope. It's a, uh, it's a oh, uh, dreary no, it's, over so here. As well. today, huh? <laughs> we sure did. And I, sunset pictures. <laughs> right. I started, I started my morning. Um, I started my morning scraping off um, days old wet poop off oh, of yeah. my son's shoe. That was really fun. He had stepped that in dog poop really the well other with, night. With your breakfast, I'm sure. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I was like, what around, what could I, you know, because kids' shoes have, well, shoes have all those grooves in them. Right, yeah. Not to get into too much detail, but yeah. it's like, what can I use that I don't need to keep? Yes. And so I found these old um, uh, disposable chopsticks from takeout. Really I was like, yeah. oh my gosh, this is perfect. Yeah. <laughs> Getting all in there. Oh my gosh. <laughs> that sounds fun. Not. Um, yeah. Well, cool. Well, I'm glad that we were able to get away from that and then hop on our podcast today with Peely Yarusi. Such a good podcast. So exciting to have her. I've been on her podcast and we've both been on her podcast, mm-hmm. I think. Um, and so it was so awesome to have her today to talk a little bit about all that she's doing in, in multifamily. Yeah. And it's, it's, it dovetails so nicely with the poop on the shoe story because <laughs> Peely is a fellow mom. She's got three kids and she's in real estate investing too. So she was showing us, you know, before we started recording with her, she was showing us um, all the toys all around her yeah. because her basement had just flooded. So there's always something, right? Yeah. As busy moms in real yeah. estate, there's always, always something. Yeah. And she has three kids under five, which is like, I mean, I remember there was a time when I had three kids under four and life was just, which she did too, because I think her youngest is Mm -hmm. 18 months now. So, but life is just crazy when you've got three kids under that age. It's just bananas. You know, one of the things that I really loved that she talked about um, in what she's doing to invest in herself is something that Liz Faircloth on our other episode with Liz, who's another real estate investing mom, spoke about is that she's really taking the time to invest in herself. And as a mother, as a busy mother with three kids, you know, she had said, this is what helps me in my investing is, you know, making sure that I find the time for myself and not skipping the shower and not, you know, working out and not doing all of these things. And for me, that's been a huge game changer. Like she said, multifamily has enabled her to do that. And so I think that's such an important thing to take away as a mother who's in investing in multifamily is to make sure that you find time for yourself because when you do that, it just helps your investing career kind of skyrocket. Um, And the other thing that I love that Peely brought up was the fact that she's leveraging, um, you know, her, um, Jason's company in her, um, you know, doing her first flip. And then she's leveraging, you know, her relationships with the people that they know in Kentucky and the deal in the first multifamily deal that they did. And so when we think about real estate, I feel like leverage is such a big part of that. And so, um, you know, for anyone out there listening, you know, when you think about how can I get into something that I want to do within real estate, go to leverage and think about who do you know, who has the experience and figure out a way that you might be able to leverage that relationship and maybe add some value to them so that they will add some value for you. 
she's such an inspiration because she talks about not only does she have the three kids and she and her husband run this business, they mentor, they give back to their community and they're doing this challenge 75 hard, which she talks about towards the end of the episode where she's, you know, working out outside in the freezing cold New Jersey weather twice a day and taking cold showers and doing, you know, visualization and all of this stuff. She and Jason are are just absolutely incredible and you are going to get so much out of this episode. Enjoy this episode with Peely Yerusi. Peely, how are you? Hi everyone, so honored to be here on Investing for Good. Honored to talk to you, Annie and Julie. This is fantastic. Thank you so much for having me on. Of course, we're so happy to have you. Now, Peely, like us, you are a fellow mom (laughs) who invests in real estate to create passive income and build wealth for your family. Now, you and your husband, Jason, created Yerusi Holdings, where you have done Gosh, all sorts of things, fix and flips, Airbnb rentals, as well as multifamily syndications or group investments. And I want to just put this out there. It's so rare for a husband and wife team to actively invest in real estate together. Usually it's, (laughs) you know, it's usually one spouse. And let's be honest, it's usually the husband Mm -hmm. who does the bulk of the investing, whether it's real estate or otherwise. So I love that you're both doing this together. Now, We had talked to Liz Faircloth in a previous episode about how she and her husband, Matt, had really started dating at a point where they were both starting to learn about, you know, they had played the cash flow game by Robert Kiyosaki, and they were taking these courses together. So was it similar for you and Jason? Had you always had an interest in real estate investing, even from early on in your relationship? Actually, the answer is no. We didn't always have an interest in real estate. So Jason grew up in the construction business. His father and his family have a construction business where they lift homes, and that's how they got started in construction and investing. And Jason's always been a businessman. He is type A. He is the visionary. He is go get him. Let's do it all. And let's succeed at everything. So In my case, I am an English major. I study theater and I have always worked a job. I'm an implementer. I'm the person that you go to to get things done. Jason and I met in 2003. I was actually managing a bar and he walked in to do some construction on the bar and the friend of ours that brought him in said, oh, this guy can also bartend. And I was like, yeah, I'll see it when I believe it. He could actually bartend. So he was, you know good looking and could bartend. I was like, that's a, that's a no brainer. You're hired. (laughs) So I ended up moving and he ended up taking my job. A few years later, I came back because our, our boss was like, well, if you come back, you can work for me for the summertime and then go back to Hawaii for the winter, like during the winter. I was like, oh, that's a no brainer. So Jason and I, long story short, we've always been working together either he's the manager or I'm the manager and we've always like worked closely together. So we don't know how not to work together because that's how we met each other. That's we were friends first. And it wasn't until 2012 that it developed into a relationship into, Mm -hmm. into love, into, into the relationship that we have now, this trusting, amazing relationship. And it all started with communication because working together, you have to communicate or we wouldn't have been able to work together. So let's fast forward to 2014. We are pregnant with our first child and there's no way I'm gonna go back to bar managing or managing anything. And Jason's already had a few businesses under his belt that he's bought and sold and created and sold. And we sit down with his family and we're like, okay, what's the next step for the construction company? And next step, was to go into real estate investing. And we started by flipping and we did these crazy flips. So normally for all you flippers out there that are listening, normally when you start, you either start wholesaling or you start by doing like, kind of like lipstick on a pig. Like you do Mm -hmm. the bare minimum to get in and get out. No, 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 no. So we go, (laughs) when we do things, we go big. 
<laughs> we decided our first flip. We took a flood ravaged home. And this was right after Hurricane Sandy. We took a flood ravaged home in this town called Union Beach. And this entire town was just, it was decimated. It was so sad walking through, but we found a home and the homeowners were just done. They're like, get us out of here. We're moving to where our house is going to be taken away by, by a flood. What we did is that instead of popping the top up, like a lot of flippers will do to add square footage, we actually took the entire home, lifted it twice, put in a new first floor and, and a garage. And that's how we started flipping. That sounds so scary. <laughs> like so risky, so scary. You know, I had thought about doing flipping way back when, as you know, and I wanted the easy way out, which was to just be a hard money lender and not have to do all that deal with all the headaches and the risk. So how did you guys, and I know, so Jason's company, they have a background in lifting these homes. So there was a certain amount of confidence in doing that. But like, as far as like, you know, running the ARV and like figuring out the expenses and like, how did you go about doing that? Because I'm sure there's a lot of listeners out there who have considered flipping at one time. And they're probably sitting there thinking like, they would have taken the easy route, like you said, right? They would have done the bare minimum to make the most amount of return, which would have been my approach. So I'm just curious, like, how did you even gain that confidence to take on a project that, that that's that big? And what, like, why not have just gone the easier route? And what was it that, that pushed you to go that route? So the thing is, you don't know what you don't know. And I didn't yeah. realize that. I mean, yeah, I knew there was an easier route, but my husband's family, Jason's family was just like, yeah, we, we can do this and we can do it easy. Right. And they yeah. already had the cost analysis because they knew how expensive it was to lift a home, to put in the renovations. So we okay. really just had to build like our analyzing sheet was a lot more, there's a lot more numbers involved. It was basically like starting from scratch. You had to disconnect all of the utilities. You had to think about all the, like the movement that had to happen with that house. So right. it wasn't like, it wasn't scary because we didn't know mm -hmm. to be scared. Right. Until right. we realized that our first flip wasn't going to take, you know, three to six months, like all these other people said their flips were taking. Our first right. flip took 10 months. Okay. It took us 10 months and then two months to to actually sell it. So it took us a year. So you can imagine the holding costs were, right. were exponential. But we made money, not as much yeah. money as we'd hoped, but we did make money on that first flip. But yeah, okay. we just didn't know to be scared. And it's yeah. so funny that you say it because yeah. I remember coming to you, Julian, and being like, do you want to invest in one of these properties? And you were like, um... Let me take a look, a look at the numbers. Can you explain this to me? I'm like, this is how it goes. It's so awesome. And you're like, mm, yeah. no. Yeah. Yeah. That was, yeah. I remember that. And that was that's, years ago. It was, yeah, it was so scary. You know, even coming at it from a hard money lender perspective, it's like, how do you know and how do you trust? And I think the answer for you guys is that, you know, Jason's company has this background in, you know, in doing this. And so that's where you got the confidence. But I think for, for most people, you know, jumping into something like that without having any experiences feels, can feel very risky. Yeah. I would suggest to your listeners out there, if you're thinking about going into flipping and doing it from the construction aspect, go for something simpler. Because what we ended up doing we ended up stopping that because number one, it was taking up all of our resources for our construction company that still lifted and moved homes. Mm -hmm. So it took away resources that we were using for our clients and put into our flips. And the management aspect of that was really difficult because we had a good and solid crew, but now mm -hmm. we were stretching our crew thin and mm -hmm. we weren't getting our jobs done and the flips were taking longer than they needed to. So we actually stopped doing those flips, even though they were lucrative once we sold them, because yeah. the amount of value add that we could give to these homes were, it was phenomenal. Yeah. But we said no more. So we started wholesaling, doing regular flips. And then we mm -hmm. got into this thing called large multifamily. Yeah. So yeah. Yeah. Hang on one sec before we move away from that flip. I'm just curious in if you're open to it, are you open to sharing the numbers on that? On which one? The on, flips? The on the first flip that you guys did? Oh my goodness. I don't remember the numbers. You don't remember. Okay. I am. <laughs> I'm like, I'm good. You give me a spreadsheet. I will input all the numbers and I will get it done and I'll make sure those numbers yeah. work. Yeah. 
but, but then that's once what you the spreadsheet's for. Yeah. Once it's in my head, it yeah. goes out of my head because <laughs> no doctor's appointments right. go into my head and oh, yeah. making sure baby's diapers get changed goes into my head <laughs> and cleaning the no house. Worries. The house management goes into my head. Yeah. So, so then let's move on and let's talk about the multifamily a little bit and how you made that transition, because that's a story that I talk about a lot on my calls with investors. And I think it's such a powerful story. So let's talk a little bit about that. How did you transition from the flipping and what attracted you to multifamily? And then let's dive into like all the good stuff you're doing there. But let's talk about the transition first. So all of this started happening kind of at the same time as we were like up leveling our flipping and wholesaling business because we joined this amazing mastermind. And we were really up leveling that business. Mm. I actually went to an ARIA meeting and somebody approached me that was doing um, turnkey. And I was like, yeah, I'm not interested in turnkey. It was like, dude, I just, I really need you to, to just take a look at a couple of these properties. They're in Indiana. Let me know what you think. I was like, okay, I can, I can analyze some properties. Let me see how it goes. So I analyzed these properties and I'm just like, you know what? I don't think it works on a single family basis, but do you have any duplexes, fourplexes? And so he sent me a couple of those and the numbers were phenomenal. And I'm usually not the person that brings like the new idea. I'm not the visionary when it comes mm -hmm. to real estate Jason is. Mm -hmm. So I, I sat down with Jason. I was like, these numbers really work, but they're in Indiana. Yeah. And he was like, well, let's have a discussion with them. So we ended up purchasing two duplexes through this, uh, through this company, but we told them we're going to pay for the building. We're going to pay for the construction. You can put whatever fee you want because we'll make sure we'll build in your fee and we'll make sure the numbers work on our end. And they still did. And you handled the management, all that stuff, building your fee. So with all the fees, these numbers, these numbers really worked. So we ended up making like a return on, uh, on investment of like about 22, 23% on these properties, but mm -hmm. these were like seriously D plus class properties. And I like D as in dog, not yeah. C as in cat or B as yeah. in boy, yeah. D class properties. Yeah. So we're having some difficulties with it, like with the taxes and just people not taking care of the properties. So mm -hmm. we held them for a year during this year, or Jason had like this amazing thought. He was like, well, if I can do this, if we can do this with two duplexes in Indiana, who's to say we can't do it with a 10 or a 12 or a 50 and a 100, 150? And when he told me this, I was just like, oh my goodness, my head. I can't even think. I can't think that big right now. I can't because we were, we were scaling up our wholesaling and flipping business. And right. I was just like, I can't. There's just so much. And plus, I was, I think we were pregnant with our second at the time. Mm -hmm. Another note here throughout our whole investment journey, I've either been with small kids or pregnant. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah, I it's, know. Been, it's been crazy. I, so, I know. <laughs> so back to the story, we ended up selling those two duplexes because this big idea that Jason has where I'm just like, okay, then we need to get rid of something. Mm -hmm. A week later, the people that we bought the properties through was, they were like, so do you want to purchase anymore. We're like, you know what? No, we're just going to, we're going to hold these, see what happens. And they were like, you know what? Do you want to sell them back to us? And I was, just, I was huh. like, yes. And we ended up making a $10,000 profit uh -huh. on those properties. And these are properties we bought for like, I don't know, it was like $5,000 and $7,000 each. Right. So on top of the extremely amazing ROI we'd made, we actually made money back from that company and cleared the slate on those small multifamilies. What was their reasoning for wanting to buy it back? Good ROI. Yeah. They wanted the ROI back and they were already, it was a running machine. Uh -huh. So uh -huh. they wanted them back. And I was like, huh. okay, well, we don't, and we didn't want to have to take care of them anymore because there was right. still, there was still management that we had to do. We had to manage the manager and all this other stuff. And it was just, it didn't make sense on such a small scale if we weren't going to up level in right. that particular asset class. We were looking right. bigger. We were looking towards large multifamily and this was kind of just taking up our time. Mm -hmm. So, so here, here you are, you're theater major, 
then a bartender, and then you and your husband get into these small flips almost by accident, and then you're you're trusting in Jason's company, and then um, so you're doing these flips, and then you do these out-of-state deals, and then during this time, Jason has this brilliant idea, let's do more out-of-state deals, let's do bigger out-of-state deals. Meanwhile, here you are changing diapers, and you've got <laughs> young kids at home, you're pregnant during this time, and so... What are you thinking at this point? You've got this flipping business and then Jason's like, let's go off and do multifamily as well on top of that. I actually had to turn off the thinking switch because like, I have a tendency and I have long, like not stopped this, but I know when to turn it off. Like as an implementer, like I'll start implementing ideas in my head before I have all the information. So mm-hmm. without all the information, the first thing that your head, like my head goes to is the why nots. Why mm-hmm. can't? Mm-hmm. That's the first things that I go to. Why can't I do this? What's going to stop us? What's going to fail? How are we going to like, how is everything just going to explode in our faces? Like it's not, I don't mean to go negative, but that's just how my brain works. Like I want to know how I'm going to implement it. Like now, if you give me the idea, I want to implement it now. So I had to kind of wipe that mindset away, especially when it came to large multifamily, because now you're dealing with larger numbers, more people, and you're dealing with having to manage the manager um, if, you're, if you're going into large multifamily as, a, as an operator, and you're not only managing the manager, you're managing other people's money, as you guys know. And that's a mm-hmm. huge responsibility. And mm-hmm. I didn't even know all this stuff when we first started. It was just the numbers of the units got to mm-hmm. me. So Jason led the charge and I handled more of the wholesaling and flipping business um, during this time. So he led the charge in educating ourselves, figuring it out how we're going to do this. We actually brought on a partner, our friend Kevin. And between them, because Kevin at the time was working for, uh, was it CoStar or its competitor? Anyway, he was working for a big company. He got all the numbers. We were really, really looking at everything. And what really changed my mindset is that we took down our first one. It was 94 unit mm-hmm. in Kentucky. So all of a sudden, my implementing brain was like, okay, this can be done. And we can be done well. And we did it well. So how can we keep on doing this? So tell us a little bit about that deal. 94 units in Kentucky. Was it a B class or a C class? Um, it was a, I would say B minus in okay. Kentucky, 94 units. It is in the Louisville market and it's, it's doing really well. It's okay. our first property and uh-huh. it really, really allowed us to scale up because mm-hmm. we did that one so well. And having this property under our management and seeing it do so well has allowed mm-hmm. us to bring on other investors because we have the proof of concept that mm-hmm. we've done it and we've done it once and we continue you, to do it again and again. Yeah. Did you guys bring investors in on that deal? Yes, we syndicated okay. that deal. Okay. And so, then what's the hold time on that one? Was it five years or? We, we always underwrite into 10 years and we let our investors oh, okay. know we will hold into 10 years if we have to. Uh-huh. Um with the projection of it being a five to seven year hold. Okay. Um, we get a debt. I think on this one, we got a 30 year on this. Okay. Uh-huh. Um, and we did refinance within the first year and we gave 75% of our uh, investors initial investment back to them nice. um, with this one. So it just, it really depends wow. on the market. It depends on, on what's happening at the time. If we can refinance, we do. Um, it just really, really depends on the property. How did you guys decide on the Louisville, Kentucky market? A couple of things. I mean, it's just a really good market, number one. Uh-huh. And we started, we got into it in 2016. Now there's a lot of people fishing in that market. Um, uh-huh. Whereas before it was kind of like me and Jason and our partner and a few others. We were actually looking at an, a couple of markets, but we kind of honed in on this one because Jason's sister actually lives in Louisville. And okay. one of his best friends from high school lives in Louisville. So we already had boots on the ground. No, they're mm-hmm. not in real estate, but they gave us the boots on the ground feel of the neighborhoods mm-hmm. before we actually dove deep into them. So we could okay. like, they could tell us, oh no, you don't want to be on that street. Right. Oh no, yeah. you don't want to be in that area. Oh no, like yeah. that's not the place to go. 
Yeah. I feel like that's so, so important when you're getting into a new market, when you don't know the market is to either be from there or have connect solid connections, like a sister. I mean, it might as well be you. I mean, like, you know, not just like your uncle's cousin's friend's girlfriend from like five years ago, but like, you know, somebody that you really know and trust where you can, you know, that they're actually live there where you can take their opinion you know, as Bible, like, okay, yes, if they say not to buy in that area, don't buy in that area. Like that's such a huge leg up to be able to get into that. Cause I know I'm sure there's probably listeners out there who are thinking they want to get into real estate, but they have no idea where to even start. Like, how do I even pick a market? And they hear job growth and population growth and all of that. And while that's great and important, I think, you know, having these connections there in the local market is so critical to being able to find success because, you know, without that, you could, you know, location, location, right? So you buy in the wrong place, you're going to end up with a bad property that's going to be hard to get rid of. So um, I think that's a really important thing that you had that. Um, no, it's, it's super important, especially if you're just starting out in this because you know, they say make connections, make connections with brokers, make connections with other investors in that area and right. get as much information as possible. But you have to remember, a broker wants to make a sale. So right. as much as they're, they have a fiduciary duty to you and their client, yep. if they're representing a, sell, a seller, they want to make a sale. Whereas mm -hmm. if you have a friend or another investor that you know really well, or a family member, right. go into a market that you know you can study and become like the top person in that market. You wanna mm -hmm. know that market from top to bottom, left to right. Yeah. You wanna know when it comes down to it, what streets to invest in. And mm -hmm. so that when you say, I'm looking for X, Y, Z in this market, you can say in this area, on these streets, only that. That way, if somebody right. comes to you with another property in an area that you don't want, you can just be like, no, I'm not even yeah. going to look at it. We'll get back to our conversation with Peely in just a minute. Have you been thinking about investing in real estate, but aren't sure you have the time or the desire to manage the investment? Perhaps you're afraid, like we were, that you'll make the mistake of choosing the wrong market or the wrong team and lose your entire investment. Well, that's exactly why we created the Good Egg Investor Club. We do the work of identifying solid real estate investment opportunities in the best markets around the country and then partner with you to acquire these investments and then we'll all share in the returns. We'll identify the growing markets, strong experienced teams and the solid deals. We do all the heavy lifting of managing the tenants and the renovations, and as a passive partner, you get to enjoy all the benefits of investing in real estate, monthly cash flow, long-term appreciation, and the ongoing tax benefits. When we first discovered passive investing through real estate syndications, we realized it fit perfectly into our busy lives. We could put our money to work for our families, work less, and get more time back in our days so that we could focus on what matters most and discover our true passion and purpose in life. We've now helped hundreds of people invest passively in real estate syndications and are seeing the positive impact it's had on their lives. We invite you to partner with us by joining the Good Egg Investor Club today so you can start putting your money to work for you and get more time back in your day because we know that when people have more time in their days, they can do the true work they were intended to do and the world will be a better place. To sign up for the Good Egg Investor Club, go to goodegginvestments.com invest and we'll take it from there. That's goodegginvestments.com invest. And now... Back to our chat with Pili Yerusi. I want to go back to something you said earlier because I think um, we glossed right over it. And I, I want the listeners to really take note of how powerful this first investment was. You said it was, uh, you underwrote it to a 10 year hold. So if I were the investor, you would tell me, okay, if you're investing $100,000, you should expect to have the $100,000 in for 10 years, right? But then after the first year, right, just one year later, if I had invested 100000 you would have given me back 75% or $75,000. How is that even possible? Uh, it was just, it just worked out that way. We, we were able to get everything done that we said we were going to do within that year. And we were able to refinance. And the thing is, with what we're doing, we don't buy our investors out. 
they're still in the deal and they will continue to be in the deal until we we sell it. So Mm -hmm. say they invested $100,000, we gave them $75,000 back, they still have their percentages and those percentages will go to the life of the deal. So we really, really, we like to take care of our investors. What can I say? Yeah, that's incredible. So was that 75% that you returned or 70%? Was that because of the value add that you guys did on that property or? It was the value add. It was the market Mm -hmm. at the time. It was, I mean, it was a slew of things, but mostly the value add because we, we cleaned up the property. We made it run more efficiently. We brought in our third party management. Mm -hmm. Um, We added laundry contracts. So we mm-hmm. have a lot like, uh, I can't remember what the name is, but we have somebody taking care of this entire laundry room. And the mm-hmm. thing is this laundry room services, I think three or four other buildings that we don't own oh. in the neighborhood. Oh. And we allow them to come into, into this oh, area nice. and use our laundry mat. Right. Mm. So um, it's like a little additional revenue source. Additional additional mm-hmm. revenue. Yeah. Um, we created like a dog park. We just made the area safer. And okay, one other thing, and Jason usually tells this story, but this was something fantastic that I'm just going to tap ourselves on the shoulder for. So the yeah. building, I think across the way from us was having some crime issues. Mm-hmm. We were getting a lot of, lot of like seriously concerned phone calls from our tenants so Jason actually went to check it out, not to the building, of course, but just to went and went to talk to the tenants, made sure that they knew that we were making sure that they were safe, that their families were safe. But we happened to have an empty unit that faced mm-hmm. this building. So Jason called and called until he got a hold of somebody at the police station in that area and talked to the detective that was on that case and was like, I have this empty unit if you guys want to use it so you can see what's going on in this building. Mm-hmm. And they did just that. They actually took down some druggies or something something or another. Like mm-hmm. Stuff happened and yeah. the neighborhood was made safer for it. I mean, that's just like when you were thinking about value add, you have Mm -hmm. to think outside the box Mm because because we got rid of the crime, the crime rates in the town went lower. The crime in general went lower. It it was a safer place. Um, Maybe the building across the way, Mm -hmm. maybe they were able to like make it a better building. I don't know. I don't know what the ramifications of that will be, but Mm -hmm. giving your tenants a safer place to be, I mean, that's the best value add I can think of. Right. Because now you're changing the community that the residents live in. And now you're basically going to start to change the demographic of the tenant base, which then only, you know, decreases hopefully the turnover, which is such a big piece of like what hurts the numbers in real estate when you have to do turnover. Um, So I love that. I love that thinking outside of the box, Annie and I, when we talk about ways to work in our business. I'm always thinking about that. Like, let's try to work more creatively rather than, you know, trying to think of other ways to spend money. Like, let's try it. Because when you do that, you're really leveraging the power of the creativeness of stuff and and really being able to find an answer that not everyone else is thinking about and um, be able to return 75% of investor money in like a year. (laughs) And just to be clear too, so that other people know, because when I talk to investors, I don't think that they realize the power of that. But essentially what that means is that on that 75% that they refinanced out, they can actually take that money, invest it into a new deal, and then they can just make like 16% or 20% annual cash on cash returns completely passively, because as Peely said, they're retaining the same ownership percentage in that deal. So just because they refinance them out doesn't mean that they don't retain the same ownership percentage in that deal, which means subsequent distributions are the same as if all of that money was still in the deal. Is that right, Peely? That's exactly right. And your internal rate of return goes sky high when you get your money back. Passive. (laughs) Exactly. Exactly. And then you can take that money. And this is what happened. Our investors took the money we gave back to them and gave yeah. it back to us right. to invest to in our do. subsequent deals. 
Right. So you get to use your money over and over again and make your money make more money for you. The quicker right. your so when your when your investors are investing in in a sponsor because that's what they're doing. You're investing in the person. Right. If that sponsor can show that they can get your their money back to them quicker and yeah. get you a better IRR on your money, yeah. that's the person you want to go to. Because right. no matter how much money you're putting in, whether it's twenty five thousand, a hundred thousand, a million, you want to get that money back as soon as possible so you can put that money back to work for you. Yeah. And we talk about that. We had another guest on the show a couple of weeks ago and we were talking about MC, MC Lobsher, and we were talking awesome. about the cash flow ninja. And the one thing that he always talks about is he wants to have his money work as hard as it possibly can, right? Like that's the one thing I learned from him that rings, like stays, repeats in my head all the time. And a refinance scenario in multifamily is the ideal way to have your money work as hard as it possibly can for you as a passive investor. And, you know, for somebody who has the experience like you guys as a sponsorship team to be able to do that is so important, right? Because those value add deals are getting harder and harder to find. But when you do find them, you want to have the right team to be able to execute because if you can't execute, it's super risky. If you don't know how to manage the team, the construction, the budgets and all of that, it can get really risky. So to be able to work with a team like yours who has done it in the past and who knows how to manage a deal of that size and that level of value add, because that's the only way that you're going to capture that 75% is through that deep value add, right? So, but you have to have the right team. I always tell investors that it's never about the deal. It's always about the team, right? And the decisions that they make on the deals that they do. Yes. I mean, the deal by all means needs to work. The numbers need to line up. But once that happens, like a bad sponsor, a bad team can make the best deal just fall apart. I've seen it happen and you don't want that to happen. But find a good team and a good property. That's golden. It's yep. golden. Mm-hmm. And totally. for your mm-hmm. listeners out there, make sure you take a look at the terms. I know mm-hmm. this is like elementary investing 101, but make mm-hmm. sure you are getting the best terms from yep. your sponsor because you want to make sure that if they do refinance and if you're okay with being bought out, then by all means, let that slide. But I feel yeah. like keeping my investors in my deal is just the mm-hmm. best way to keep them coming back. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. And this is such the, it's the epitome of investing for good because it's good for you and Jason for growing your business. It's good for the investors because they're making their money work so hard for them. They're making great returns for themselves and their families. And then the triple whammy, right? It's great for the community because you're really changing and improving that community and making that community a safer place and a cleaner place for those tenants to live. So all around. Now, I want to switch gears for a second because you have three kids. Is that right? Yes, I do. How old are they now? Five, three, and one. Oh my gosh. And they are like, so, like you must best be so busy. looking kids too. They're ah, so they adorable. Are. Each one of them with their own personalities and they're so cute. <laughs> oh my goodness. The one-year-old, he is almost 18 months and you oh. ladies know what happens at 18 months. They just oh, get yeah. cuter because all of a sudden the little attitude comes out and he, he's learning how to say no. Oh. He's like, uh-uh. Oh. And they're just like, oh, you're so cute. Yeah. <laughs> but come here anyway. I had yeah. to change your diaper. So yeah. cute. Aww. So cute. So with your three kids, what do you hope that they will learn about money, about finances, about real estate? Number one, don't be afraid of it. Don't be afraid of money. Put money to work for you. I know for such a long time, and I still have to get over this mindset. I was afraid of money. I was afraid of finances. I was afraid of looking at my finances because, I mean, all my life, I didn't start having credit cards until I was maybe in my 30s, like mid-30s. Wow. I've never had debt because I was always afraid of my finances. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So I, was, I always stayed on the safe side. If I, even with my credit cards, like when I first started, if I, had, if I put anything on the credit card, I would almost pay it off immediately, which is something you should do anyway. Right. But don't be afraid of your finances. Don't be afraid of debt. That's the problem. Like, I think because there's so much debt right now, <laughs> just in general, yeah. that we've yeah. become afraid of it. 
But the thing is, the more you're afraid of something, the more it has power over you. Mm. Don't be afraid of it. Just handle it. Handle it in the quickest way you can think of. And it's easy for me to say that because I've never had a huge amount of debt because I just never did. I went to college at a time when my state school was like $3,000 a semester and I got a scholarship for it. So I just, I made sure I could pay for myself as I went along. And that was like, that was a mindset that was just built into me. Like my father would, would never lease a car. He would just buy it outright. And he would keep it until the thing fell apart. (laughs) He actually just finally bought a new van (laughs) after so many years. Because he was just like, you know what? Whenever you kids visit with the kids, I I think I need a safer car for you guys to drive. I'm like, thank you, dad. You're awesome. But like, I just, I learned not to go into debt. So anytime I have debt, I try and get rid of it ASAP. Yeah. Um, Mm -hmm. So that's something I definitely want to instill in my kids. I want to make sure that... But not like not have the fear factor, though. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I want to make sure to have conversations with them about finances. I want them to use money wisely. I want them to know how to invest. Yeah. And I want to set them up. Jason and I want to buy a building for each of them. Mm-hmm. We call it the Luke, the Lily, and the Leo. Oh, yeah. And this will be, I mean, we'll still have savings for them, of course, but this will basically be their college. Yeah. So mm-hmm. when they turn well, of age, they can- more than that. <laughs> well, yeah. it'll be more than that. Yeah. But it'll be college and living expenses. Yeah. And a business that they can, because you and I both know, you, you guys know that each building is a business. Yeah. It's not a, mm-hmm. it, it is a building and it's a place where people live, but it's also a business. It's a business within yeah. itself. So when they become of age- we're going to give them this business. They're going to know how to run it, but they're going to mm-hmm. have a decision to make. They can sell yeah. it and go to college. Yeah. And that's going to be the caveat. If they sell it, they have to go to college yeah. um, or start another business. Like if they come to me with a business plan for, let's say like Luke wants to start a brewery and he has a sound business plan. I'll be like, okay, sell the building, start a brewery, mm-hmm. do it. If you fail, then you fail, but you've tried. You have mm-hmm. a sound business plan mm-hmm. and you've tried. So that is our plan. We want to make sure our kids are set up to succeed. And that's the best way we can think of it is just to have these businesses that we can give to them and be like, you can either follow in mommy, daddy's footsteps mm-hmm. and take over this business and start your own and grow your own empire mm-hmm. and have our input and our knowledge and our foundation mm-hmm. to back you. Or you can do X, Y, and Z, start your own business, go to college, you know, whatever they want to do. I just want to make sure that I build a foundation for them to stand on. Yeah. And I love how much, gosh, that is that is just such a cool strategy because I love how much freedom and flexibility that mm-hmm. gives your kids. What a gift yeah. in life when most parents are either putting money in a savings account or a 529 plan that's locked in. Yep. You know, this give, really gives them the flexibility and you guys are so open-minded to what they want to do. So you're really setting them up for success in the future. Well, like you said, it's investing for good. As long as I'm investing in my kids and I've created good people, mm-hmm. I know whatever they choose to do once they become of age to make those choices, that I know it's going to be a good thing. And I know they're going to succeed as long as I do my job right, which is to raise them correctly and to give yeah. them the tools they need to be good people, to mm. just to be good people. I mean, really, yeah. what else can you ask for? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Yep, absolutely. 100%. Well, with that, shall we transition to the Investing for Good Impact round? Let's do it. Okay. All right, Peely, we're going to ask you three questions that we ask all of our guests. Are you ready? Yes, I'm nervous. Okay. All right. (laughs) Good. (laughs) All right. The first question is about investing in yourself. So what is one way that your investments are allowing you to live a better life? So Jason and I have discovered this challenge called 75 hard. And this is how we are investing in ourselves. It's a commitment we made together. And it is it was put together by a gentleman called Andy Frisella. If you want more information on 75 hard, you can look up the MFCEO project. It is episode 290. And do not listen in front of your children because there is potty language. Uh, just 
saying that. <laughs> but this has given us a full mental, physical challenge. For 75 days, we had to follow stringent rules that included working out twice a day for 45 minutes. One of them had to be outside, drinking a gallon of water, reading 10 pages of a self-help book, no alcohol, and following, I hate the word diet, but basically following a meal plan. Mm -hmm. And we did that for 75 days and it totally changed our life. And now we're into phase one of this plan. It adds on a cold shower, five minutes uh-huh. of a cold shower, mm-hmm. which and I know if, if not you two ladies, I know there's mothers out there that the last, sometimes you forget or the last uh-huh. thing you do is take a shower because uh-huh. you're so focused on getting all the things done. You get to the end of the day and you're just like, I smell like a rat's nest. Because I just, I just didn't, I just didn't, I just didn't take care of myself first. So this has given me the mindset, even though it's a cold shower and I hate it. It's like, it's like, I'm like, okay, it's a shower. I'm taking a shower and it's, I have to make the time for myself. I have to get into the bathroom and like prepare for my day and really like focus in and hone in on what's important in my day because I need to give myself that time in the morning to take care of all that. 10 minutes of visualization, which usually happens during that shower, five minutes of it. And then three critical tasks, which basically, I know your listeners have heard of the one thing. It's something I follow all the time, but mm-hmm. it's three tasks in your day that will make your day that much better. I have my one thing task. So it's the one thing in my day that's going to make my day just explode and just be the best it can be. And then the mm-hmm. other two, right now I'm working with do something good for myself Mm-hmm. And then the second one was 10 pages of a multifamily book that I haven't read yet. Mm-hmm. Although I am re- just rereading Joe Fairless's uh, syndication book. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Plug for yes. Joe Fairless. Such a good book, by the way, just jam packed with like so much information. It's crazy how much information and detail is in those Joel Fairless and Theo Hicks. I always forget to mention you, Theo. Sorry. (laughs) But yeah, I mean, you can just go to that book and like read the glossary. I know. Like a few times and just get so much information. If that book just looks so daunting because it's a big book. When Joe writes a book, he goes big. Yeah. But just yeah. look at the glossary. You ever, if you need to like review any of the terms in multifamily, that's the best glossary to go to. Yep. So that's how yep. I invest in myself because large multifamily investing has given me the time and allowed yep. me to systematize my day in mm-hmm. order to do all of this for my body, my mind, and myself mm-hmm. and to make yeah. me a better person, not only for myself, for my husband, and for mm-hmm. my kids, but as a better investor Mm-hmm. Love yeah, it. 75 hard. We'll definitely have to check that out. Check it out. I'm a little scared, not going to lie, but I'm definitely going to look it up. It sounds incredible. The thing is, it's scalable. <gasps> it's scalable. Mm-hmm. Yes, it sounds difficult. And if you live in a, you know, for all your listeners, if you live in a place that gets cold or really hot, that outside workout can be daunting, but it's putting yourself into the position of being uncomfortable. I get the yeah. best ideas when I'm outside. Yeah. And of course, I'm like taking off my snow gloves and typing on my phone, freezing my little fingers off. And I put my snow gloves on and go back to doing whatever I'm doing. <laughs> yeah. Oh, my gosh. Wait. So it's snow. You're doing this. You're running outside in the snow. Yep. Okay, we also I have, have no a stationary bike. outside. I, I have like literally no excuse because I look outside right now and it's like dreary and rainy. But yeah, it's nope. not snowing. So I have, <laughs> it is I out there. What, what's, what's the, it is, it's supposed to be a low of 22 degrees today. Oh my gosh. And I still have to do my outside workout. Oh my gosh. That's wild. Okay. Yeah. I'm over here. It's probably 57 and I'm like, yeah, get outside, go for a run. You have no excuse. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) All right. Well, what about investing in others? So what's one investment strategy or a life hack that you can share that will make an impact in others' lives right now? So we do a couple of things. Jason and I also mentor. So that's how we're helping people to up-level their lives. If any of your listeners out there have any interest in that, you can go to multifamilyfoundation.com. Oh, and by the way, we do have another podcast called Multifamily Foundation Podcast. We have the Real Estate Investing Foundation Podcast, and then we have the Multifamily Foundation Podcast. Both of those are phenomenal, so much fun to do, but the multifamily focuses on multifamily. 
So that's one way we're giving back is our podcast, our mentorship. And then just on a wide scale, Jason, when he was younger, actually lost a few friends in just accidents. And they were, he was really young when this happened. So we give back on a volunteer basis and a monetary basis to a group called Imagine. And it's basically grief counseling for children um, because we just believe in promoting happiness and promoting well-being. And the more people that we can do that for, especially children that experience loss at such a young age, Mm -hmm. uh, like Jason did, it just, it touches our heart the way Mm -hmm. that no other program has. And then we also Mm -hmm. give back to our church and their um, homeless programs. And Mm -hmm. I mean, wherever we can, we give because there's so much, we are so blessed Mm-hmm. And we just want to just, even if we can give a little bit of that gift that we've been given, mm-hmm. I just, I want to just get, give that blessing out to as many mm-hmm. people as I can. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Cool. Well, I think that covers our third question too, which was how are you investing to create a better world? My goodness, <laughs> you guys are doing all sorts of things. And I love that, like I said, not only your projects, but you and Jason together and your family, you're the epitome of investing for good because you're taking all the success that you're having in real estate investing and you're really turning around and giving it back to the community. And so everyone wins. Well, we try our best and that's that's really and I feel like I feel like our best is is just making sure that we promote positivity and, and not to say that I never have negative thoughts. I do, but it's not putting that out there. Like why put out more negativity than than is warranted into mm-hmm. the universe where you can put out things that will only help And like, for instance, the 75 hard thing, there's so many people that I didn't realize follow us and have joined us in this quest for mental fortitude, for physical fitness. Because, I mean, really, the secret to life is eat better and exercise and think good thoughts. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> like yeah. that's yes. really that's really the yes. secret of, to life like all the podcasts like I've listened to people usually boil it down to that I mean and we all know this we all know this and yet we yeah. still try and do the shortcut the diets the whatevers mm-hmm. the mm-hmm. the things that don't work and the yeah. new year's resolutions that I'm gonna lose mm-hmm. 50 pounds and it's like you're not because you don't you don't have the action step so if I can leave your listeners with anything, it's to give yourself an action step, whatever it is, whatever you want to get done for this next year or in this year. I'm not sure when this podcast is going to come out. <laughs> give yourself an action step, whatever it is, and start now. It doesn't matter if it's the new year. It doesn't matter if it's the old year. It doesn't matter if it's, I don't know, March. Just start now. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And Peely... You are an absolute inspiration. I'm sure people will want to learn more about you and Jason and all that you're up to. So what's the best way for people to learn more and to connect with you? So a couple of ways you can find us on our podcast, the Multifamily Foundation podcast, or you can just simply email me at peely at yerusiholdings.com or look us up at the multifamilyfoundation.com. There's a couple of ways to find us or, you know, what? find me on Facebook and message me. <laughs> I'm good with that, too. <laughs> Peely Yerusi, co-founder of Yerusi Holdings and co-host of both the Real Estate Investing and the Multifamily Foundation podcast. Peely, thank you so much for being here. So honored. Thank you so much. You've been listening to Investing for Good, the number one podcast for people like you who are investing to build a legacy for their families, create a meaningful and intentional life by design, and impact the world around them. For more resources, check out goodegginvestments.com slash podcast, and be sure to join the Investing for Good Facebook community. And don't forget to subscribe and give us a five-star review so we can continue to bring you amazing new conversations every week. Until next time, keep investing for good.